The 2022 Australian Open. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Almost made it to the first weekend without a major upset. Defending champion Naomi Osaka knocked out by 20-year-old American Amanda Anasimova, who's earned a fourth-round date with the top seed. Absent in Australia is seven-time champion Serena Williams. Now at 40 years old, John Wertheim explores what lies ahead for her in today's edition of Unstrung. And we've got the complete day five recap with the winners, losers, bumps, and bruises. All those stories plus more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. It is day six of the Australian Open. Welcome to TC Live, presented by Geico, our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action every day down under. It is Saturday in Australia, and the final spots are on the line to make week two of the year's first major. Here's what's in store today. Danielle Collins hoping to join three other American women in the fourth round. The Sabalenka service show on display against Marketa Vandrasova. Plus, three major champions taking the court with Daniil Medvedev, Iga Sviantek, and Marin Cilic. Welcome into our studios in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman back with my friends, the Hall of Famer Martina Navratilova, Hall of Famer Lindsay Davenport, and from Sports Illustrated <laughs> and 60 Minutes, John Wertheim. Martina giving the love to everybody. Uh, we are just a little bit closer to the Sweet 16. What's the biggest thing on your mind today? It finally felt like we had our first great day of tennis and matches at the Australian Open. And in last year's U.S. Open, it seemed that first week we were so spoiled. So many exciting days, so many exciting matches. And it just seemed like it was a little quiet in Melbourne until yesterday, where we had many matches decided by a final set breaker. We saw some players have the wins of their life. Um, it, it seemed like the tournament finally got going yesterday. Ooh. We're not out of week one, and we have no defending champions left. We have Migration Minister D. Djokovic, and we have Amanda Anasimova D. Osaka. And what a match. You talk about these matches that ended in this third set, 10-point breaker. And this was just such great tennis from Anasimova, absolutely dictating rallies. I mean, when, when do you see Naomi Osaka hitting balls or ball off her back foot? Anasimova won this match. This was not because Naomi Osaka didn't show up. She did. She was just beaten by a more potent player. Uh, we'll talk more about that, Martina. Lindsay brought up the final set tiebreakers. It's different at every major. Exactly, and that's what I want to talk about. It makes absolutely no sense that we have two, four different endings to in the final set for both men and women. And I like this ten, uh, the, the tiebreak that finishes at 10. As you see, that's what we have in the Australian Open. We've had so many of them this last couple of days. 
Roland Garros no tie break, which is the longest of, longest uh, surface, and you have no tie break. Makes no sense. Wimbledon, you have the seven point tie break at 12 all. And the US Open, we've had this for like 30 years or more, actually. I lost a couple of them. <laughs> tie break at six all. But I really like the 10 point tie break in the, in the final set because it gives you a little bit more, you know, you don't win by luck that one. So it gives you a little more breathing room and less pressure. Maybe, Lindsay, we were talking about this. You were suggesting to do a little, like a two minute break before the tie break so they can really sit down, reset. Ooh. And yeah, it's a whole new event all by itself. But I really think they need to change, change that. You want, you want them all to say it. Which Unify one do you like it. the best? I think Australia. Yeah. I, I really do. I, it, you get one let court. When you had linesmen, you could get one bad call or, or something kind of yeah. crazy happen, and, and it was tough to recover. Australia, you definitely have more breathing room. If you have a long game, that 6-5 game, my thing was maybe just let the players have one minute. Not necessarily a changeover, but just go down, let them yeah. tell off, get a drink of water, just kind of catch their breath before this really long 10-point breaker. Um, but I've loved watching them, especially yesterday we had a bunch. I'd be devil's advocate here. Yeah. What, what, do we say, what do we say when players wear the same outfit? I can't tell them apart. It's so silly. Why don't they wear different outfits? I don't mind. They differentiate each other. They play these four majors on different surfaces. The French Open starts on a Sunday. I don't mind that they have a different way to close out these matches. You guys really think it's so bad? I think they shouldn't wear different outfits. I couldn't tell them apart. And the strokes look similar. I was like, really? Uh, no, I, well, we, we can agree to disagree. I, I'm going to disagree. I mean, how about going for the biggest match of your life and you've never played that format? Right. That doesn't seem right to me either, right? You've never played a tiebreak at 12-all, and now you're going for a Wimbledon title. And for some players, even just to win their first round, you have no experience experiencing that until right. that moment. I don't know if a Grand Slam is the way they're experimenting with these. I, I don't know. I think you've got to have the – you'd never change the format for the Super Bowl. Guys, you played the whole regular season this way. Let's just change it because it's the biggest game. It's and why a not? different stadium. Could be a different field. Could be a different temperature. But the point system, the point yeah. is not changing. We play on different courts at a major. You, the weather could change. But we're not changing, actually. Okay, now you're going to play to five to win a game. And a set goes. It, it just, I don't know. I don't like it. You know, a four-point field goal in the Super Bowl? No. But, but, but you, wait, seriously, though. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. If we had to pick one. I do like this 10-point. It gives you a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of drama. I love the idea yep. of just set. It's like icing the kicker. A little bit of take a changeover before we go play first to 10. You, you think that's the best of the four? Just let them catch their breath. I, I like that. Yeah. I the powers that be are listening to us. This yeah. is a great idea. <laughs> we're, we're, we're fixing the game oh, yeah. right here. <laughs> One system and a little break. Make it its own special event. We'll see what happens. Uh, Naomi Osaka, we saw she lost earlier. Well, she is one of our major champions on a major rankings decline. Take a look at this. Uh, you got Osaka, you got Sophia Kennan, you got Bianca Andreescu and the Williams sisters all way down in the rankings right now. Uh, what stands out to you, Martina? Uh, well, I think Kennan is the one that's going to have a problem getting wild cards. And, uh, you know, she's right out of the bubble for most of the normal tournaments. So is Osaka, but she, she'll have an easier time getting wild cards. She just needs to play William's sisters while they're wild, wild in more ways than one. And we just hope that we still see them. But I think Kennan's going to have a hard time with this. I, I'm still, I'm still, how is Andreescu ranked 39? I'm still tied up on that. It just seems like we've hardly seen her play for a year or two and her ranking seems higher than it should be. But I'll tell you what, 
what, it's going to be really tough at some of these tournaments, provided they all play. You go to Indian Wells, you go to Miami, some of our best players are not going to be seated. It's going to wreak a little bit of havoc with the draw. Certainly some top players are going to be like, oh, no, I don't right. want to play Osaka <laughs> right well, off the bat or Serena or Venus. But the flip side of that, we saw this with Nick Kyrgios, is that even if you get in the main draw, even if you get a wild card, that doesn't prevent you from playing a seed early. So... The other thing, those, those are big numbers. Those are not the kind of numbers where you're, you're back in the top 10 with a couple of weeks of good results. I mean, when, when you're in the 80s, that yeah. is going to take a while for Naomi Osaka to get back where she belongs. Theoretically right. speaking, you could have Serena Williams playing Naomi Osaka in the first round mm -hmm. first to round, play yeah. the number one yeah. seed in the second round. Yeah. That's how crazy this yeah. is because right. they haven't played enough. By the way, today, the 24-year anniversary of the first match between Venus and Serena. Second, Second round, round of the Australian Open, Open yeah. back in 1998. Uh, a lot more still to get to here on TC Live. Our colleague Nick Monroe is down in Australia. He will join us later on the show. Plus, of course, we have all the big highlights from day five, all the massive update upsets. We'll hear from both Osaka and Anna Samova. John Wertheim goes unstrung on Serena Williams and... Here it is. What Osaka learned from her loss to Amanda Anasimova last night. Find out. TC Live at the Australian Open is presented by GEICO. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live, presented by Geico. Taking a look at our daily schedule, the four of us with you every day. Two hours, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, leading up to live tennis on ESPN2 today, in addition to ESPN+. Plus, and a little schedule change, the encore coverage with Brett and Paul, Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. While many fans were looking ahead to the Osaka Barty Party in the fourth round, Amanda Anasimova had plans to crash it. The 20-year-old American taking on the defending champ for the first time last night, Lindsay. And what a match this was. Such big hitting from both players. And, Steve, there was one break in the first set. That was the very first game Anna Samova served. She returned the favor in the fourth game of the second set, getting her first and, ironically, only break as well. Each player were only broken one time. Just a phenomenal job managing their service games against great returners, a lot of power. In the 10th game, Osaka had two match points, missed a backhand on her first, second one had a second serve, and missed a backhand again. Anna Samova able to get out of this game and get sent to a 10-point breaker. And how about Anna Samova just coming alive, striking four winners, going after her shots, going for the biggest win of her career. And how about an ending like this? This is not an easy swing volley, but she is playing free. She's playing confident. You're not seeing that look in her eyes where she's scared. And, Steve, she's going for her serve. Yeah, that was the final of 11 aces in the match for Amanda Anna Samova. First top 20 win in two years. Let's hear from both of the players after. Yeah, I think that this for me is the biggest step, even though I lost. 
you know, I fought for every point, um, and I, I can't be sad about that, you know, like, I'm not God. I can't win every match, you know. Um, for me, I feel like I grew a lot in this match. Um, the last match that I played in New York, I think I had a completely different attitude. So I'm really happy with, you know, of course I lost, but I'm happy with how it went. Just playing on these big stages um, here at Australian Open, it's just an amazing atmosphere. This is everything that I trained for. I mean, I was getting goosebumps in the tiebreaker. I always get that feeling and I'm like, ah, go away. But yeah, it's just, it's an amazing feeling and it's all of that hard work that I put in. It's to have those moments like today. Oh, what a year Amanda Anasimova is having. Perfect 8-0 in 2022. Got that first top 20 win since the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. And just her third, fourth round at a major overall. So, Martina, we heard from Osaka who said she grew a lot during that match. How did Amanda Anasimova, in your eyes, grow during that match? She grew at least four inches in that match. <laughs> I'll tell you. That, that was a breakthrough moment for her in so many ways. She's been through so much, and it's really nice to see her smiling on the court, but most of all, rising to the occasion, playing her best tennis when it mattered the most. Still young. I think yeah. we forget that. You know, it was three years ago she, she had her big runs. I mean, she, she won three matches in Australia and then really came out flat for a fourth, so she has that experience to, to back up. I, I do think we should spend a second on Naomi Osaka as well. We saw her lose at the U.S. Open. It was excruciating. She lost last night as the defending champion and seemed very measured and upbeat and complimentary. That was really nice to see. But boy, Amanda Anasimova has been through so much. It was a few months ago that people in her camp were saying, I just don't know how what her passion for tennis is right now. She has refound that passion. Boy, the results are showing. Yeah, and that's why calling it the biggest win of her career. She's been to the semifinal of the French Open, but after going through what she's gone through and even talking about maybe doing something else, especially last year when things were rough, you want to see a player get back onto track and play their best tennis. Amanda put in a ton of hard work in December with her physical trainer, with her coach in Miami, Romaine DeRider. She also is tinkering, switched rackets, now playing this with a blacked-out Wilson racket. She'd never played with Wilson before, obviously striking the ball well with it and then of course you had Darren Cahill in Australia and just having him in her corner mm. doesn't give her the opportunity to we'd see her sometimes get upset or pout or or not come through in close moments all of a sudden you see Darren in your corner she's acting more confident on the big points and the mentality on the serve has definitely changed it used to be I'm going to get this serve in and start the rally and for a six-footer that's not really the mentality you want to have she goes to the line last night on match point she's going for her serve such a difference uh mindset that she's brought in Australia so far this year. And being able to come back from match points down. Hadn't done that in three years. Amanda Anasimova into the round of 16 in Melbourne. Who will she face? Will it be that rematch from Roland Garros a few years ago? Top seed Ash Barty taking on Camilla Georgie, John. You've talked about Ash Barty's serve. Still unbroken. Yeah, just just cue it up from, uh, for, from the previous match and the one before that because this is just another terrific performance at party 93 percent of her first serve points won that is uh that's an extraordinarily high number and yesterday just such a composed performance she's now up to 57 service games without being broken and really you know we, we thought georgie could be dangerous and could get hot for her for a spell that never happened barty never gave her a chance bash arty because we got the full variety she has now lost eight games 
in three matches as she faces Anna Samova next. Yeah, that's a rematch of the 2019 Roland Garros semifinals when Barty came back from a set and three love down to win and take her first major title. On the bottom, we see Pagula and Maria Sakri. Those highlights later on TC Live. Meantime, we flip to the men, Martina. The quest for record-breaking 21 majors continued for Rafael Nadal against Corinne Hatchinoff. He had never lost to the Russian, Martina, but this one was not quite as easy as the rest. Well, it must give not Rafael so much confidence knowing that he really should not be beaten by this guy, and he wasn't. He played a solid, solid four-set Lost the third set, but overall 32-22 in the three sets that he won. Very solid performance, really dominating. Kachanov taking his opportunities when he had him. Not too many service breaks, but Rafa just bullying uh, Kachanov around the court with his with his big forehand as usual. Third set, a little bit of a hiccup. Rafa missing a little bit, hanging off the back foot there. Kachanov went for broke more on the returns of serve. And uh, holds there, uh, wins the third set, but uh, Rafa right at the ship. Maybe where he could get better is 5 or 15 break points. Maybe he still needs to play the break big points better. But overall, fantastic performance. And talk about fire. I think he's triple it up. pump. You don't I get a think, triple yeah. pump often. <laughs> big point, and then, yeah. Oh. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he went quad. Oh, we got the Winter Olympics coming up. He's going quads. Finished in style. Uh, is he fired up? Yeah. Does he want it? Mm hmm. He's That's amazing. <laughs> and then the singular pump to finish. Yeah. Still undefeated in the new year is Nadal. Today I played my best match, without a doubt, since I came back. And that's a, a very positive and a special thing for me. You know? I played here in a nice session with a great crowd. And to win against a great opponent like him, uh, I need to play well. And uh, I think I did. All right, well, Rafa goes for 21. Sasha Zverev on his quest for a first major title. Continue to cruise against Radu Albot, John. Did he knock off that volley? 17 of 21 at the net. Underrated part of his game. You never mind it when you are trying to win your first major. You're the third seed and you get a qualifier to go into week two. That was the case yesterday. And this is uh, composed Zverev. Again, it's like Barty. We've been, we've been saying that all week. Just taking care of business, not a lot of drama, serving well, getting early breaks. This was just uh, two players on, on different planes. And Zverev has got to be very happy with his first nine sets here. If a guy's trying to uh, win his first major, he's making life easy by cruising these first three rounds. Uh, 44 winners, just 14 for Albot. Hasn't dropped a set on his way to the fourth round. Alexander Zverev, we are one match away from that quarterfinal between Nadal and Zverev. Of course, Shapovalov has beaten Zverev two of the last three times they played. Nadal, a perfect 2-0 against Adrian Manorino. But let's look ahead to that potential quarterfinal. We finally, Lindsay, heard some confidence from Rafa Nadal. Remember after the first two matches, like, eh, still some doubts, I'm, I'm not sure. He was like, this was my best performance. I told you it was a big day at the Australian Open at the beginning of the show, but something that Rafa needed also. Yes, he's been winning matches, but he hadn't reached that level that he feels he needs to be at to win a major. He finally felt that against Hatchinoff in that win, especially in that fourth set. Um, you could sense it in Rafa. You could see how he was reacting, getting the crowd, but also just the confidence that he was getting, the shots he was hitting. Uh, that match he needed to really show the rest of the field that, yeah, he's back to being a favorite to win a major. Mm -hmm. He stopped sandbagging. His chances <laughs> finally owned up to it. Yeah, he must really like where he is. Again, no no Novak, no no Roger, and, and the draw has really opened up for him. He'll be fresh 
the next match, Manorino should get through that against Zverev. So he must like where he will be physically, emotionally, mentally. He needs the reps, but not too many. And he's sitting pretty. And he's so fired up. I mean, you never doubt his, his, his fired up finesse, but man, he really just shows how much it means to him. 12 sets from becoming the all-time men's yeah. major leader. Just want to point that out. You say sandbagging. I was sort of jokingly texting with some members of this team and sort of, oh, Rafa's always minimizing his chances. But they said in all seriousness, this foot injury was different from other injuries he's had. He sort of knows what it takes to get back from the back injury, for example. He said this one, he really thought yeah. his career was in some jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And to come back to play at this level, he's played 15 sets in 2022. He's lost one, and the one he lost was yesterday when he said it was the best match of the year. So he's got to be very happy so far. All right. Ho- hopefully, the fans, we get that quarterfinal yep. between yep. Rafa Nadal yep. and Alexander Zverev. Uh, back to the women. Barbora Krejcikova, three-time defending mixed doubles champion. She's not playing mixed this year because she's in the mix for the singles title, Lindsay. The four seed taken on former Roland Garros champ Yelena Ostapenko. And it was all Ostapenko for a set and a half. It really was. Up a set and up 3-1. This match you thought was going to be Ostapenko's. And this is right where Krejcikova started to get comfortable with the power off of the Ostapenko racket. All of a sudden, Krejcikova able to use her variety more, started to move Ostapenko around the court. But really, for the first set, Krejcikova completely off her game because of Ostapenko. But Krejcikova, we've seen for the last year, she is such a good competitor. You don't see it necessarily in her reactions, but she's there point in and point out, just way too consistent for one time early in the third. And that was enough to get her through that final set. How about this? 15 of her first 16 majors and singles didn't make it out of qualifying. Has now made the fourth round in four straight. Barbora Krejcikova going to take on Victoria Azarenka next. Back to the men. And the match of the day, Martina. Matteo Berrettini looking to avenge a loss to Carlos Alcaraz last year. Started out well for the Italian. Uh, Berrettini solid from the beginning. He got a, he, he got uh, the tiebreak win in the f- f- first set. He was pretty easy. Then second set he played. Actually, Akaras played a better set, but Berrettini played better when it mattered in the tiebreak. Really did not miss any shots. And Akaras turns it around in the third, gets a break. Finally, gets ahead and he's fired up. Fourth set he's. Berrettini was just not believing in himself, but Akaras forehand firing on all. all of cylinders. Meantime, Berrettini kind of lost his slice back end in the third and fourth set, but he came back just in time. Akaraz's forehand let him down in the tiebreak. He missed three shanks of the forehand. Ends up in a double, but Berrettini really solid tennis when it mattered the most. Berrettini said after the match, at his age, I didn't have an ATP point. He will only improve, but for Matteo Berrettini, he is in to the fourth round. Uh, Listen, what do you take out of this for Matteo Berrettini? Yeah, I mean, he was the underdog, and in a way, this was sort of strangely a, a statement win for, for him as well. And, I, you know, in, in the case of Alcaraz, look, you're, you're a teenager, you're losing 7-6 in the fifth to a top-10 seed. You're doing pretty well. He does seem to struggle, though, a bit with when to turn on the aggression and the power and when to hold back. It seems serious. So first half hour of the match, he was overhitting, and then there were stretches where he really seemed to get passive, all part of the process. But uh, Berrettini, oddly enough, a, a statement win beating a guy 24 spots below him. 
Yeah, it happens rarely, but you see a player come up and you just know they're going to be great. Mm -hmm. And you get that sense with Carlos Alcaraz. And this may, may delay it a little bit, maybe by a few months, this one match. But there's no doubting how good he's going to be, of course, if he stays healthy. I mean, it, the improvements he made in the offseason, he's much bigger, he's much stronger. He didn't lose that match because he got tired. It seemed more just maybe nerves, not being in that situation a lot. Um, but credit Berrettini, it is not easy to play the next-gen players, the players coming up and really trying to usurp you. And Berrettini, after losing the third and fourth, you thought, what is going to happen? Is he going to go away? He really dug his heels in also. It was, it was such an awesome match to see both of those competing so hard. Alcaraz, superstar in the making. He's already got the, the deals, right? But I, I, he could win a major this year. He's that good. I, I Carlos think, Alcaraz I think could so win a major this year. He's got so much power if he tames it, and he's learning. This is a great learning mm -hmm. experience for him. He learn, he, it, the matches are on his racket for mm. the most part. Uh, meantime, Berrettini, great comeback, like you said, in the fifth set. He could have just been disappointed, but he t t kept it together and uh, rightly won the match. But overall, actually, Alcaraz was the better player. Mm. And they ended up even on the points. Yeah, I, I can tell you. Yeah. At the end, oh, at the end, it was even, even. So, yeah, great stuff from both players. Uh, you heard it from the goat. Yeah, Carlos Alcaraz win a major title this year. We'll see if it happens. We'll find out who Matteo Berrettini is playing next. It could be an American. All the stars and stripes on the way. Davenport and Avitalova, Wertheim Weissman back with you. Jesse Pagula, one of a tournament-leading four American women to make the third yeah. round, taking on Nuria Parizas-Diaz-Martina. This was a tight first set. It was a tight set, and it's it's difficult to play somebody you've never seen before, so you really have nothing to go back on. Just try to figure out as the match went along. Uh, Parizas-Diaz was up at early break in that set, but uh, Jessica got it back, played a really good tie break. Mixing it up, even throwing in a drop shot there. And she settled down a little bit. Uh, overall, just was four of seven on break points. Diaz, uh, two of seven. So this match was actually closer than the scoreline. Had Diaz played the big points better. But Jessica really turned it up in a notch in that, in that second set and finishes with a flourish on the, on the, on the ace on the, on the match point. At seven aces in the match gets Maria Sakari next, says... Bills, you're next. Bratiamodium, I thought it said. <laughs> That's Baratini. <laughs> uh, Madison Keys trying to get back to the fourth round here for the first time in three years. Lindsay needed a comeback against Wang Chiang of China. Yeah, first set goes to Wang, and an early break as well in the second set. Wang up to love, but that's right when Maddie started to find her A game. Managed to reel off. Four games in a row to get up 4-2 and, and get that momentum in the second set. Ends up serving it out. The serve, though, for Maddie, a little concerning. She didn't have that serve as a weapon, which we've seen all in Australia. But from 5-6 in the third set, Steve, Keys wins 14 of the last 17 points and plays really a perfect breaker. Five winners in that third set breaker, really just overpowering, picking the right shots. And for a player who did not have a lot of confidence going into 2022, what a first opening month for Maddie. Put up a 50-burger of winners. Madison Keys now riding an eight-match win streak. Wow. Great result for Madison Keys. So she gets... 
Olivadosa mm -hmm. next. Both players, John, are 8-1 and one this season. What do you make of this matchup? That's a lot of power. Two players coming in with not just a lot of wins, but a lot of emotional wins. I think who's going to hold up physically? We've seen Bedosa with a lot of tape. You talked about it, Maddie and her serve. But I wonder, closing out a match like that, I mean, she was just blistering the ball for the last 15 minutes. So the score, I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen a 9-2 before in the score box. To close out a match like that, I think it's got to give you more confidence than having dropped a first set an hour earlier. And I think the biggest thing for Maddie is the fight and the heart she's been showing because she's been talking about that was her goal for this season. Even if I'm not playing well, I want to be able to hang in there emotionally. That really has been a very hard thing for her to do throughout the years. You, you want to play perfect, and she'd be so hard on herself when she wasn't playing perfect and the winners weren't happening. Now she's really, so far this season, is really accepting, okay, I'm not playing my best right now. How can I fight my way through that? For those of us who have been around her for years, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. No matter what happens. <laughs> the breakthrough. I, winning a match where she doesn't play well is like the biggest step forward mm. that Maddie could take. So the last this last match, it's absolutely huge. It's showing a lot more emotion. I mean, usually you see her kind of almost flat, winning or losing. You can't really tell. She's, uh, she's, you know, she's got the poker face, but she seems to care more. And I wonder what, what switched on. It just shows how much of the sport is played between the ears. But she, she really seems to care. I don't know what switched on for her, but I'm glad that it, that it did. <laughs> Said when she plays with more shape on the ball, something you always said. Well, uh, but yeah, she's heard all this tennis stuff, right? But, she's had a lot of great people around but telling her, okay, don't hit it so flat. Don't go for a winner behind the baseline. Yeah. But, you know, when you have the heart and you start digging out matches and mm -hmm. you're playing good defense, like something changed in December. No, she's, she's really taking responsibility herself right. for her tennis. She's down there with a hitting partner. I mean, it's not... It's not rocket science, and she's kind of just trying to master it right now. Not rocket science, but she's got rocket. She does have rocket. Rocket's amazing. <laughs> that is true. All right, Madison Keys into the fourth round in Australia. How about a couple of American men in action? Riley Opelka, four Americans in the third round. Opelka hadn't dropped a set, John. But Dennis Shapovalov would change that. Yeah, I, th I think we all uh, whiffed on that. We thought between uh, time spent on court, much less for Opelka, the big serve for Opelka, the conditions, the surface. And Dennis showed a lot here. I mean, he's played a lot of tennis. He played more than eight hours going into this match, and this wasn't a short match either. But Riley Opelka, 17 aces. Dennis had 10, so he's hanging in there. On the serve, he was the slicker mover, and that really showed yesterday some really flashy shot-making. And in, in a weird way, I mean, look, there, there are only nine seeds separating them. In a weird way, I thought this was a statement win for Dennis. It hadn't looked great for him through two rounds. He really had to struggle. This, in some ways, was his easiest match. That is a very nice win over a big server. On this surface, nice win for Dennis. The Canadian now 6-1 on the season with his new coach, Jamie Delgado, takes on Sasha Zverev next. How about Sebi Korda taking on Pablo Carino Busta, Lindsay? Both came through tough five-setters to get to this match. And, and it was pretty evident early on that it seemed Carino Busta just a little bit more fresh than Korda, a little bit more experienced playing in some of those five-setters. Sebi had some chances late in the second set, wasn't able to convert. One of these matches where Carino Busta was clutch in the big moments, but Korda didn't go away. He fought hard. He started to find his game in the third set, but he just seemed to be just a little bit off, maybe just a split second slower than we're used to seeing, but showed a ton of heart trying to stay in this match. But a lot of credit to Carino Busta, who was so rock solid when he needed to be. Yeah, Korda had 21 aces, but he won less than 50% of the points on his second serve. He was broken six times in this match. 
Karina Busta saving 11 of 13 break points. That is his 50th Grand Slam match win. Nice milestone for the Spaniard as he takes it in four sets. And Sebi Corda coming back home. Uh, Martina, what did you take out of that one for the American? He just looks a little flat. I'm not sure he was feeling 100% physically. Maybe it looked like he had an upset stomach. Like he didn't really want to move too fast. The fast switch wasn't firing on all cylinders, and uh, or maybe he was just tired, but he definitely didn't look because he's always smooth, so it's mm. hard to tell. But he just didn't have that explosion. But good learning experience, I guess, all in all. So all part of the process too, right? Yeah. I mean, you win a five setter, you've got to come back not just 48 hours later, but then play a player that's not going anywhere. A veteran's going to make you hit a lot of balls. I mean, look, here's a guy who didn't even play Australia last year because he was scouring, you know, going around the world trying to get points. So in big scheme of things. Nice tournament, a little bit flat, but again, I mean, beating Carreño Busto best of five match is not the kind of thing you just naturally assume. Yeah, we're not going to panic on Sebi, definitely. No, I mean, no, watch no, him no. play, and it's almost like exactly. Alcaraz, you know he's going to have a great career. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so it hasn't gone the way he's wanted, was sick at the U.S. Open, tested positive for COVID on arrival in Australia, so didn't have the prep that he maybe needed or maybe wanted to play his best at this Australian Open, but he shows a lot of heart. He's got the, the skills on underneath him he's going to be okay just hasn't been perfect yet the majors a couple of the american men out we still have taylor fritz we still have max cressy playing today and the women so far perfect danielle collins looking to join the three others in the fourth round at the australian open much more tc live we're bouncing back after this TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and new customers can bet $1 and win $100 if any point is won. Plus, all customers can play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use code ACE and buy Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. Welcome back to TC Live. I'm Steve Weissman. After her win yesterday, Jesse Pagula wrote on the camera, Bills, you're next. Pagula's family owns the Buffalo Bills, and they'll both be looking for big upsets Sunday. Jesse against the five-seed Maria Sakari, and Buffalo going into Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. You can find stories like that on Tennis.com, your online source for everything to follow our sport. Right now, David Kane writes about a second-week blockbuster match, and Steve Tigner has your three to see on day six of the Australian Open. For today's forecast, here's Fox Weather. Hi, everybody. I'm meteorologist Nick Koser, and here's your Australian Open weather forecast. Yet another hot one in Melbourne, a high of 94 degrees and clear skies, so don't forget your sunblock. Precise, personal, powerful. Go to foxweather.com to download the app and watch now. Thanks, Nick. When we come back, John Wertheim's latest Unstrung discusses Serena Williams. When will she take the court again? Back on TC Live, presented by GEICO, it was five years ago that Serena Williams raised the trophy in Melbourne, her 23rd major singles title and seventh at the Australian Open. At the time, we didn't know she was pregnant with baby Olympia. And as John Wertheim reports, 
We still don't know if Serena will produce another Grand Slam title. Serena Williams turned 40 last September, and let's start here. She has achieved more by the four-decade mark than any 10 people will accomplish in 10 lifetimes. Serena didn't so much break barriers as she destroyed them, much as she does tennis balls. She authored the most improbable story, never mind sports story, you could ever hope to cook up. She became a wife and a mother and someone both inspirational and aspirational to countless fans worldwide. First breaking through with the 1999 U.S. Open, when most phones had cords and Bill Clinton was president. She won 23 major titles in golf, and that's just singles. Teaming with her older sister, she won 14 major doubles titles as well. To go with Olympic gold medals, the 855 match wins, the 50 other titles not won at majors. We can keep going here. For all those successes, it's been tough going of late. Last year, Serena was an Australian Open semi-finalist, losing to Naomi Osaka. Disappointing, but really, no shame in that. As she left the court, it was hard not to notice this extended, drink-it-up look and wave. Since then, she's played only eight matches, and none since Wimbledon, where her body betrayed her. What will be this, her, get this, 25th year on tour, what will it bring? The goal is no secret. It's the elusive 24th major, tying her with Margaret Court for the all-time record. Is it realistic? This January marks five full years since number 23. And common sense would suggest the older she gets, the more the odds go down. And yet, is it any more unlikely than what happened at the previous major? That is, if a teenage qualifier ranked outside the top 100 at the start of the tournament can string together seven main draw wins, can't the most accomplished player of the last half century do the same? So Serena plays on into her fourth decade. Tell her 20-year-old self or even 30-year-old self that she, joining her sister, would still be an active player in 2022, and she likely would have laughed at familiar laugh. We all would have. No one saw this longevity coming. And then again, since when has any part of this remarkable story ever been even a little bit predictable? Written, John. Let's take a look at the list. This is the one we've been focusing on for a long time now. Major title leaders, Serena, one behind Margaret Court. There you are, Martina, right there. Lower right, 18 titles. Uh, what are the chances, once again, Martina, of Serena getting to 24 and beyond? Well, the, the, the percentages are definitely going down. Uh, and I did not realize it's been this long since she won her 23rd. It just, everything gets more difficult as you get older. And not having played for this long for Serena, it's it's getting more and more tricky. And the other players, they have respect for Serena, obviously, for all the right reasons, but they're not scared of her anymore. Mm. So they will play their best tennis and believe that they mm. can beat her. Whereas before, people played their best tennis against Serena, but they didn't really think they could beat her. Now they think they can and makes it that much more difficult to, to win. 
she would walk on the court up to love or up a break, something like that. When do you think we see Serena take the court next? Oh, gosh. I mean, none of us know. <laughs> like, that's the problem with all this. She hasn't played since Wimbledon. We haven't seen <coughs> any video of her practicing. We haven't seen Patrick post anything. Um, it's hard to know. It's, it is so hard looking at that graphic because at some point in her career, the goalposts change. I, I remember when Steffi was getting all her Grand Slam titles, she wasn't chasing Margaret Court. I mean, Steffi was chasing Martina and Chris at mm. some point. Historians started to add in Margaret Court. I mean, you have to remember a lot of those Australian Open titles, there was like one foreigner in the draw. They were all Aussies. It was 32 draws. Draw. She had a bye yeah, to the round yeah. of 16. Like, and unfortunately, that has become such a driving force the last 10 years. And I'm not really sure it's fair. It's, she's 23 in the Open era. I, if you had told us that in the early 90s, that would have been the record. Wasn't Margaret Court back then. So, I don't know. I always have a little bit of sympathy for Serena with this number that at some point in her career, it changed where you needed to get to. Ooh. I mean, I have a little bit of a different take, which is I think she's brought a lot of this on herself. I mean, Patrick, her coach, has been very outspoken about this 23. I think in some ways this is sort of the, this is the carrot that's kept her in it. Mm-hmm. Athletes always are trying to figure out ways to motivate themselves. I think, yes, she would be well within her rights to say that this Margaret Court, it's apples and oranges, it was a different era. Come on, I got 23 in the modern era. Like, you tell me which stacks up favorably. But she's, I feel like she's kind of leaned into this 24. And whether it's for her own motivation or whether it's her own sense of history. But, you know, it's uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that Auckland 2020 might be her last title. But, um, I mean, here here, here she is. And this is is the last time she's, she's held up. A trophy, and I just, you know, it's at one point in her career, she went, she went 30 months without a major, and it was seen as this huge gap. And what's wrong with Serena? We are now at 60, 60 months since uh, she's won a major, and I just, as, as you say, the the odds just go down. And I think some of this is physical, some of this is aura. I think a lot of these players, it just doesn't they're even better. just, yeah. I mean, the, the game's evolved, exactly. Yeah, they're they're exactly. hitting the ball maybe as hard as Serena or close to it, and, and they're moving better. And they're half her age. And, and, they're, sure. and they're half her age. Uh, I think the, the number it got in the way, maybe, trying to win so badly the last couple of years. But as, as John said, it kept her in the game also. I think without that number being there, or had she passed the record earlier, she wouldn't, have been, she wouldn't have been playing anymore. I think they would have been, okay, I'm done now. Uh, but um, let's see. But open era, I think for men and women, it's different because the women never played on the Pro Tour, so we never had a closed era. <laughs> so it didn't really change except more players started going to the Australian Open. But, you know, the whole weight of majors has changed the last 20, 30 years. But uh, still, what an amazing accomplishment, but it's definitely not getting easier by the day. I'm curious, Martina, because you won your last singles major in 1990. You won five mixed titles after that. How hard is it to walk away? We don't know when or if she's playing again. Well, I had an easy time walking away, but then I want to start playing doubles again. I'm like, oh, this is fun. So I'll play much <laughs> longer than I thought I would. Uh, but I think, you know, she's got her, her life. She's got her, her family. She's got her kid and, and, and busy enough off the court. It's just a matter whether you can. I think she'll walk away when she does, realizes she can't win anymore. That's when, mm. And maybe the body will dictate that rather than her mind. But, uh, you know, well, she'll decide when, she, when she's had enough. Nobody else will. All right. Well, we want to see her again, so hopefully yeah. uh, we see her on the court soon. Three more majors this year, three more opportunities to go up on that all-time list. A lot more to get to here on TC Live. Nick Monroe, our buddy, our colleague, ATP doubles specialist, joins us. Plus, you've waited for it. John Wertheim's stat of the day, and today on the warm and fuzzy set, none other than Andy Murray. 
Back on day six in Melbourne, TC Live at the Australian Open. Taking a look at our featured matches today. Danielle Collins hoping to join three other American women in the fourth round. Arena Sabalenka, how will her serve hold up today against Marketa Vondrasova? Plus, three major champions take the court. Daniil Medvedev, Iga Sviantek, and Marin Cilic in a battle against Andre Rublev. With that, Steve Weissman, John Wertheim, back over here on the desk, and we are happy to welcome in our next guest. He is our friend. He is our TC colleague. He is an ATP doubles player. Nick Monroe. Nick, how you doing, buddy? What's What's up, guys? How's it going? It is going well. Uh, so we've reached day six, and now both defending champions are gone. The big story last night, Naomi Osaka getting upset by Amanda Anasimova. What was your reaction to that? Well, I mean, to be honest, I watched uh, Amanda play at World Team Tennis this year, and she was destroying people. I mean, she was winning 5-0, 5-1, and was really helping Orange County Breakers uh, to the title, end up winning the title. So actually wasn't that surprised. I mean, the fast courts really suit her game. She likes the ball in her strike zone. And Naomi obviously kind of fires the ball around too, doesn't get any really height on the ball. So it wasn't able to get it out of her strike zone. And Anasimova, that, that's, that's perfect for her. Nick, I want to ask you about an upset on the men's side. We had the number seven player beating the number 31 seed. Well, that shouldn't be an upset, but a lot of people thought Carlos Alcaraz was going to beat Berrettini, according to our sources, which is your Instagram page. You called that match. What, what did you make of that match, and what do you make of Alcaraz sort of spanning that out more broadly? Yeah, no, I, I mean, obviously, I, I kind of thought Alcaraz was going to have a chance there against Berrettini. He came out just a little... A little uptight, it seemed like he was rushing. He was missing a lot of forehands, kind of coming off the ball too quickly. And I think he, he just needed to settle in. And he finally started to settle in kind of later in the third set. I mean, Berrettini, um, you, know, he, you know, he pretty much just played his game, right? He stayed up in the court. He was firing forehands, firing big serves. And, and Alcaraz couldn't really find the return game early on in the match. And then kind of towards the end of the third set, he started making more returns. And actually in the fourth set, he made every single return. So... He settled in, and, and then you got to give a lot of credit to Berrettini because he basically mentally just kind of hung in there because he actually probably should have won the third set. He had some break, not break point chances, but 15-30, 4-5, and second serve, and, and then he kind of went away in the fourth set, did Berrettini, but then also in, in the fifth, he just kind of mentally stayed with Alcaraz. But it was good to see an 18-year-old kind of problem solve and realize, wow, I'm, I'm kind of making too many errors. I'm going for too many big shots, and so... He started getting a little bit more shape on his ball. He started extending the rallies. And so it was just good to see him be able to problem solve. And, and I was a little bit surprised in the tiebreak how he kind of, you know, the moment got to him a little bit. Again, he, he, he started making more forehands in the, in the third and fourth set. But in the fifth set tiebreaker, he just started kind of missing the forehand again and, and uh, just got a little bit tight, you know, which is, which is you know, it's, it's part of the deal, part of the process. I mean, they played in Vienna early on in the year and, and – um, Alcaraz has actually won that one seven six in the third, seven to five in breakers. So he definitely felt like he could beat Berrettini. But yeah, it was good to see Alcaraz problem solve. And I mean, let's be honest, the guy's going to have plenty more chances of being in the third round and, and going further, winning slam. So uh, so is he an amazing competitor? Let me ask you about a, a real upset and not even uh, as, as close a match. Mektic and Pavic, the number one seeds in doubles, best in the business, lost to. Kokodakis and Kyrgios, the Australians. I'm just from a doubles perspective. What is your take when one of these one of these Arnold Palmer teams, one of these these lemonade iced tea, these two singles players that get together? <laughs> what what's your take when they beat a top team like uh, we saw last night? 
Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Kyrgios is obviously one of the most talented guys on the tour. He's got a massive serve, and obviously everyone's been talking about how fast these courts are playing. So not easy to kind of break the Kyrgios serve. And then obviously Kakanakis as well has a big game. And as singles players, they make a lot of returns. Um, I wasn't able to watch a lot of that match, but I do know that, you know, the crowd was amped up for for the Australians, and, and Nick was, you know, fist pumping and actually hit Mektich one time with a volley and kind of looked at the crowd and pumped them up. And that might have kind of gotten to the to the Croat team a little bit. You know, I think, uh, you know, that extra energy was was great for, obviously, here everyone here at the Australian Open. And, and also, Mektich, he actually tested positive for COVID kind of right before the Australian Open. So I was practicing with Pavic the first three days before this tournament started and Mektic didn't come back and start practicing until Tuesday. So he actually didn't even, wasn't even able to hit a ball for about eight, nine days kind of coming into this tournament. They barely squeaked through that first round match. And then, you know, he said his body wasn't feeling great. And and so, you know, no, no excuses for them, but he definitely wasn't a hundred percent was Mektic. But again, you know, it, it's good to see, you know, Kyrgios and Kakanakis playing well again, you know, and, and they, you know, as, as uh, Kirio said in his interview, he loves the guy. He loves Kakanakis. They're they're great friends, and I think it's great for for the Australian Open. So so it should have been Monroe and Pavic playing. It, it, it was Nick and Tiafo. <laughs> we're, we're talking right now to Nick Monroe, our, our colleague here on Tennis Channel, and also an ATP Tour doubles player, played at the Australian Open with Francis Tiafo. You have like 17 jobs uh, over there in Melbourne, Nick. One of them <laughs> is for us. You're doing some cool segments uh, for digital called Credentialed, where you talk to players. Who have you talked to? What have you learned? Yeah, no, it's been fun. I mean, obviously, I kind of followed Francis before his first round match. We we went into the gym and I followed his practice. And, you know, what a lot of people don't see is how hard these guys work kind of even before matches, the day before, afternoon before in the gym. You know, these guys are in the gym lifting weights, making sure that they're strong. Um, you know, so there's a lot of extra, you know, kind of working out and staying physically fit that these guys do. And also on the recovery side of things, you know, guys are really, you know, taking care of their body, massages, ice baths. So I was able to follow Francis with that. And then also I talked to Benoit Pair before his match against Dimitrov. He looked cool, calm, and collected. And I was asking him, he obviously has the new brand, Be Normal, on his shirt. And I was asking him, is he really that normal? I mean, we, we kind of we kind of joke with him that, that he's, uh, you know, obviously one of the one of the characters on the tour. And, and, and we really, really enjoy him. And I'm going to do another segment uh, today with Sonia Mirza. She's obviously going to be retiring, um, you know, after this tournament and, and Sam Stozer as well. I'm going to do a segment with her today. So, so just, you know, it's fun to kind of, you know, pick the brains of, of, of a lot of the players here. I get to see it personally while I'm, while I'm with them on the tour, but you know, it's good to just kind of let everyone see the, the day in the life. He's a Swiss army knife. He does it all. Uh, we look forward to seeing those future segments. Uh, appreciate your work. Appreciate you, Nick, and uh, look forward to seeing you back here in the studio soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Nick Monroe joining us here on TC Live. Much more still to come. Shelby Rogers, she's still in the doubles. That's right. Getting ready to go. And uh, how about Iga Sviantek? Oh, we started juggling the other day. Yeah, it's a cool little drill there.
Victoria Azarenka has taken the Australian Open title twice and owns the head-to-head -head with Alina Svitolina. 4-0 coming in. Yesterday, Lindsay was the biggest beatdown yet. Yeah, it was more of the same. And Azarenka, a player who always played well down under, this is one of those times when you're Svitolina, you look at the draw, and you immediately bury your head in your hands. Like, no! Of all the seeds to get in the third round, this is not the one I want to get. Azarenka, they play similar styles, and right now, Azarenka does everything better. She's got a little bit more power, very confident against Svitolina. She was dictating play. And, you know, for parts of this, it was actually hard to watch Svitolina, a player who's trying to break through and win a major for the first time. And, and Steve, just getting toyed with out there. Yeah, just 67 minutes. Azarenka has only lost nine games in her first three matches. Love and two. Avika brought a special guest for her post-match press conference. It was bright enough. I felt that I was... Uh, really uh, well executing my game plan. Um, I wanted to put as much pressure as I, uh, as I could on her and kind of not let her uh, come into the match. She's an amazing fighter. I know if I give her a little room, uh, she's going to uh, get back out there. So that was my, my purpose today, and I think I executed that well. How did Mommy play today? Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> That's cute. Leo says she played awesome. Uh, Two-time champ. She's also made three quarterfinals there. She actually won the junior singles and doubles in Australia. Absolutely loves it down there. How would you rate her level so far? She picked up right where she left off uh, last year. I think she's playing her much better tennis now than she had the years before. And she loves it down here. She likes the surface. It's a little bit faster than it used to be, but she still likes the ball coming onto racket. She's a complete all-around player. So comfortable at the net so she can take advantage of the fast court. And the fans love her here. You see almost famous Kate Hudson yeah. with those, those sunglasses. I, I no, <laughs> yeah. no sunglasses on the court in the sun, but then sunglasses in, in the interview room. I, I got two questions for you. A, we talk about matchups, right? I mean, we're hitting Rafa hitting high to Rogers, one-hander. We get that. Why is this such a bad matchup? Why is Svitolina 0-5 getting two games? Why is that such a bad matchup? Sometimes you just go out against a player and you just love the shots that are coming at you. And, and Azarenka timing the ball perfectly against Fidelina feels like, she, I think, I assume she feels like she can break every time. She feels like she's not really getting pushed around. But you, you had to have felt that way against a lot of opponents. Uh, I think it's death by a thousand cuts for, for, <laughs> for uh, uh, Fidelina because she plays, she, she, she can't get any openings against Azarenka. And, and Azarenka keeps pushing you back a little bit with each shot. She kind of bullies you nicely around the court. And Svitolina can't find any openings against her. She just can't. And last year, Azarenka had one of those nightmare trips. She was one of those players that had to lock down mm -hmm. for 14, 15 days before the tournament began. She wanted to put that whole mess behind her. Done a phenomenal job so far this year in Australia. Did you win a third? If she keeps playing like this. Ooh. I mean, it was a good matchup for her. But, yeah, I, yes, I wouldn't put it past her. Yeah, I mean, she definitely could. She's not on my top four yet for this tournament, but that second tier of players, I mean, everyone has a chance. You go into the second yep. week and okay. round of 16, right. anything can happen as we saw at the U.S. Open. All right. Uh, Victoria Azarenka's newest doubles partner, Paula Bedosa, in action as well. She's been playing some great ball, trying to make the fourth round in Melbourne for the first time. Said, I knew Marta Kostic was looking forward to playing against me since the day the draw was out because she told me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's maybe too much honesty, but uh, Badosa is a player. She is a competitor, and she did that 
in this match as well. She could have done better on the break points. Only five, uh, she was seven of ten, and and it's it's Kostic that needed to do better. She was five of fifteen. So Kostic actually, again, this match was closer than the score would indicate, even though it went three sets. Kostic had a way. She was the more aggressive player, but she also made more unforced errors. So at the end, it was Badosa that outsteadied Kostic as she just played enough defense, enough offense, and let Kostic beat herself to even on the match point. Badosa, five fewer winners, but also seven fewer unforced errors. And look at this great moment between the two. We've had matches that haven't lasted this long, but that's that's nice to see. Kind of mentors, Kostyuk, and uh, re really good friends there at the net. That's what I mean. Same outfit. Same outfit. Who is who? It's Virginia okay. Tech. Slightly longer hair. Paula says Mar Marta is going to be a star. Uh, back to the fellas, John. Aslan Karatsev taking on Adrian Manorino. The Russian had 107 unforced errors in round one. That theme would continue. Yeah. <laughs> 86 to answer your question. And I would say this is a, and not a capital letters upset, but an upset. I mean, Manorino, crafty, lefty from France, veteran. Had won zero sets in two matches coming into this Australian Open. Not a lot of momentum playing a guy who got deep in the second week a year ago. And Manorino, not just the better player, but the fresher player. Keep an eye on the clock. Not just time of match, but time of day. Because this match did not finish until after 2.30 in the morning. And give Manorino credit. I mean, he took it to a guy who was playing very good ball. And 2.33, he gets it done in four sets. On to play Rafa is the less good news for Vanarino, but nice veteran <laughs> win for the uh, for the lefty. He's got Rafa to deal with and jet lag. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> he's to bed about eight in the morning. That's right, <laughs> totally. Uh, Galmoff Eastlands going for his seventh straight win. Had no issues with Christian Green. It was only a little tight in his first set tiebreak. After that, Lamont c'est bien. Yeah, it looks like he's back healthy, which is great to see. We say this when we get on. Hot streak. Is this the time for Murphy's at a major? He's struggled three out of five sets, keeping that focus and that level up. But man, has he looked good in his run in Australia. Got the weapons. We know he's got the speed. He looks motivated. Martina said the other day, wish he had gotten married a little sooner in his career. <laughs> he's played his best tennis since we've been with Vitamina. 30 winners, 17 aces. He's got five sets of 6-1 or better this fortnight. Gael is rolling. Uh, Svitolina's out, but she's going to hang around to watch her hubby keep going in round four. So Gael Malfis gets Miamir Ketsmanovic, who's been a great benefactor of Novak being out, right? Give, okay. give him credit. You're from the same country you think you're coming to play the nine-time champion, and to get to the fourth round is a nice effort from the serve. Now right, we saw Victoria Azarenka win her. Uh, the shades are still on. Oh. Where's Leo? So it's not about the challenge. He's just showing up. <laughs> it's bright inside. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live. We're with you every day, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Tennis Channel Live getting you ready for the action down under. And then tomorrow, get this, our encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone starts at 11 a.m. Eastern. Time to see how we did yesterday in terms of the odds makers. So Barbara Krejcikova won her match against Ostapenko. Sakri won against Kudermatova. But Martina, you, you called it. So so did Lindsay. So did so did everybody. We right? all called it. Alcaraz was favored 
did not win against Berrettini. What were they thinking? Not to brag. I mean, it was a five-setter. It was no, a close match. Three, three matches, four of us. I think we were 12 for 12. Yeah, pretty good right. overall. Miracle. That's where we needed the parlay, Lindsay. Yeah. We were... Martina and I weren't so good, I think, the day before. We have the tennis mm-hmm. channel just algorithm me. going. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> All right, we got yeah. three more matches to take a look at today. Marketa Vondrasova is favored Whoa. over Arena Sabalenka. I, I say no to that. I, Felix Ojeda-Aliassime against Evans. Evans beat him last year here. Bad. The only and one I agree with play is... last match, and Ojeda-Aliassime right? had a long one. Yeah. I, I think I'll take the opposite on all of them. Uh, maybe not, not pass, pass. No, pass. you're right. I take that back. <laughs> Plus, num- number two seed against 29, I believe it is. They're not picking the number two. I mean, that that serve has clearly yeah. impacted the betting lines, yeah. but that's that's fascinating to me. Well, Marqueta also has done well winning, getting to the finals of the French Open a few years ago, but this court with those big swings, I think Sabalenka's the favorite, but I will take uh, Evans over uh, Felix. Felix. Phoenix has not been steady enough. Evans doesn't miss. You need to beat him, and Felix has been beating himself, I, so I'm not sure he can, he can do it. All right, John, over, under... Yeah. 15 double faults for Sabalenka today. Oh, man. I, uh, over. Over. I hope under. Can we, uh, we, we don't root, but uh, we, we root for, for yeah. clarity and mental fit. I mean, I, I think I've never seen anything like this. I mean, just one match, okay, but this has been six, seven matches now of double figure, double faults. I think you're probably right. I would like to say none. <laughs> if it goes three sets, it's going to go over. Yeah, right. yeah that's the. Uh, yeah, rhythm just, she's got no rhythm. But like I said, she's got a couple of slight hitches, and they really are magnified when you're under pressure and when it gets into your head. It's, yeah. it's, it's all in the and, head right now for her. And if she weren't having this issue, she's the number two seed, it's a slick court, we'd say she's a contender. And now yeah. she's the underdog against the One number 29 seed. Yeah. And don't you think when the, where the serves are missing? We've seen some bounce before the net, and we've seen numerous over the baseline. We're not talking about, okay, she's the number's high, but she's going for it and kind of missing it. I mean, she has no clue where they're going because you can't miss that badly on both ends. I mean, bouncing before the net is like, oh, my gosh, when you're a player. Hitting a second serve over the baseline more than once. Sometimes you're like, oh, that just hit the frame. But when it's like... Six times. She's not missing right. him. Oof. And usually when the serve goes off, it's because of the toss. You know, and then you lose your confidence and you're chasing. You're wondering yeah. whether the toss is going to be in the right place. Her toss is fine. That's <laughs> exactly. not the problem. It's a little high, but so it's unusual. still in one It's area. It's in the area. It's yeah. close enough. It's not like, oh, that was a good get. You know, the, the toss is there, but the serve is not. So we, we say this is a game of inches. Those, those misses ain't inches. You but know. we also say this is a mental sport. This is a real expression of that. Yep. That said, she's still winning her match. I mean, she's got to be that much better in every other aspect. It's so hard because you you start like, oh, it's her technique. But she's had this technique her whole career out on tour. It's not like she's changed her motion. It's not like she's had shoulder surgery. It's not like uh, technically there was a massive flaw. Ostapenko, she went through a a period a couple years ago, a lot of double faults. She was chasing her toss two, three feet behind her head. Hard to make it from that location. It's just, it is all in her head. But we all agree, Sabalenka... Wins this one, Evans and Pavlyuchenkova? I think so, yes. Okay. We'll see how we do tomorrow. Evans Felix played here when Evans beat him. Yes. So, same same venue. In a tune-up. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, Warm and fuzzy today, Michael Costa with the great Andy Murray. You don't want to miss that. Plus, all your Day 5 highlights and interviews. And John Wertheim's stat of the day on the way. Nick Kyrgios, doubles specialist. With Tennessee Coconut, Jason Tatum. Tatum, He loves the Celtics, loves the Seas.
TC Live with your Geico 15-second news update. Paula Bedosa continues to roll eight straight wins. Adrian Manorino, a late night or you could say an early morning. Stopped at 2.33 a.m. against Aslan Karatsev. He's got Rafa next. And how about the top seeds out in men's doubles? Mektic and Pavic going down to Kyrgios and Kokonakis. Well, despite his monotone delivery and self-described miserable attitude on court at times, Andy Murray is low-key hilarious with a warm and fuzzy disposition. Our Michael Costa found out. What the hell happened to your shoes, man? Yeah, so basically, obviously here it's pretty hot, so sweating a lot. My shoes get very wet and a bit smelly, Yeah. obviously, after a few days. So I don't have a balcony in my room. Yeah. So I decided to leave my shoes underneath the car oh, okay. to, to dry them out, uh, you know, in, in, in the night and came back this morning and both my tennis shoes have been stolen. Who steals stinky shoes? We've got so many of those warm and fuzzy interviews with all of your favorite players. Head to Tennis Channel's website and the Tennis Channel app to check them out. When we return, top storylines on day six from the Australian Open. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live, presented by Geico. Taking a look at our daily schedule, the four of us with you every day, two hours, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, leading up to live tennis on ESPN2 today, in addition to ESPN Plus, and a little schedule change, the encore coverage with Brett and Paul, Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. While many fans were looking ahead to the Osaka Barty Party in the fourth round, Amanda Anasimova had plans to crash it. The 20-year-old American taking on the defending champ for the first time last night, Lindsay. And what a match this was. Such big hitting from both players. And, Steve, there was one break in the first set. That was the very first game Anasimova served. She returned the favor in the fourth game of the second set, getting her first and, ironically, only break as well. Each player were only broken one time. Just a phenomenal job managing their service games against great returners, a lot of power. In the 10th game, Osaka had two match points, missed a backhand on her first, second one had a second serve, and missed a backhand again. Anna Samova able to get out of this game and get sent to a 10-point breaker. And how about Anna Samova just coming alive, striking four winners, going after her shots, going for the biggest win of her career. And how about an ending like this? This is not an easy swing volley, but she is playing free. She's playing confident. You're not seeing that look in her eyes where she's scared. And, Steve, she's going for her serve. Yeah, that was the final of 11 aces in the match for Amanda Anasimova. First top 20 win in two years. Let's hear from both of the players after. Yeah, I think that this for me is the biggest step, even though I lost. You know, I fought for every point, um, and I I can't be sad about that. You know, like, I'm not God. I can't win every match, you know. Um, for me, I feel like I grew a lot in this match. Um, the last match that I played in New York, I think I had a completely different attitude. So I'm really happy with, you know, of course I lost, but I'm happy with how it went. Just playing on these big stages um, here at Australian Open, 
It's just an amazing atmosphere. This is everything that I trained for. I mean, I was getting goosebumps in the tiebreaker. I always get that feeling, and I'm like, oh, go away. But, yeah, it's just it's an amazing feeling, and it's all of that hard work that I put in. It's to have those moments like today. Oh, what a year Amanda Anasimova is having. Perfect 8-0 in 2022. Got that first top 20 win since the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. And just her third, fourth round at a major overall. So, Martina, we heard from Osaka who said she grew a lot during that match. How did Amanda Anasimova, in your eyes, grow during that match? She grew at least four inches in that match. <laughs> I'll tell you. That, that was a breakthrough moment for her in so many ways. She's been through so much, and it's really nice to see her smiling on the court, but most of all, rising to the occasion, playing her best tennis when it mattered the most. Still young. I think yeah. we forget that. You know, it was three years ago she, she had her big runs. I mean, she, she won three matches in Australia and then really came out flat for a fourth, so she has that experience to, to back up. I, I do think we should spend a second on Naomi Osaka as well. We saw her lose at the U.S. Open. It was excruciating. She lost last night as the defending champion and seemed very measured and upbeat and complimentary. That was really nice to see. But boy, Amanda Anasimova has been through so much. It was a few months ago that people in her camp were saying, I just don't know how much her passion for tennis is right now. She has refound that passion. Boy, the results are showing. Yeah, and that's why calling it the biggest win of her career. She's been to the semifinal of the French Open, but after going through what she's gone through and even talking about maybe doing something else, especially last year when things were rough, you want to see a player get back onto track and play their best tennis. Amanda put in a ton of hard work in December with her physical trainer, with her coach in Miami, Romain DeRider. She also is tinkering switch rackets. She's now playing this with a blacked-out Wilson racket. She'd never played with Wilson before, obviously striking the ball well with it and then of course you had Darren Cahill in Australia and just having him in her corner mm. doesn't give her the opportunity to we'd see her sometimes get upset or pout or or not come through in close moments all of a sudden you see Darren in your corner she's acting more confident on the big points and the mentality on the serve has definitely changed it used to be I'm going to get this serve in and start the rally and for a six-footer that's not really the mentality you want to have she goes to the line. Last night on match point, she's going for her serve. Such a different uh, mindset that she's brought in Australia so far this year. And being able to come back from match points down. Hadn't done that in three years. Amanda Anasimova into the round of 16 in Melbourne. Who will she face? Will it be that rematch from Roland Garros a few years ago? Top seed Ash Barty taking on Camilla Georgie John. You've talked about Ash Barty's serve. Still unbroken. Yeah, just, just cue it up from, uh, for, from the previous match and the one before that because this is just another terrific performance. Ash Barty, 93% of her first serve points won. That is, uh, that's an extraordinarily high number. And yesterday, just such a composed performance. She's now up to 57 service games without being broken. And really, you know, we, we thought Georgie could be dangerous and could get hot for her first spell. That never happened. Barty never gave her a chance. Bash Artie because we got the full variety. She has now lost eight games in three matches as she faces Anasimova next. Yeah, that's a rematch of the 2019 Roland Garros semifinals when Barty came back from a set and three love down to win and take her first major title on the bottom. We see Pagula and Maria Sapri. Those highlights later on TC Live. Meantime, we flip to the men, Martina. The quest for record-breaking 21 majors continued for Rafael Nadal against Karin Hatchinov. He had never lost to the Russian Martina, but this one was not quite as easy as the rest. Well, it must give not Rafael so much confidence knowing that he really should not be beaten by this guy, and he wasn't. He played a solid, solid four-set. 
plus the third set, but overall 32-22 in the three sets that he won. Very solid performance, really dominating. Kachanov taking his opportunities when he had him. Not too many service breaks, but Rafa just bullying uh, Kachanov around the court with his with his big forehand, as usual. Third set, a little bit of a hiccup. Rafa missing a little bit here off the back foot there. Kachanov went for broke more on the returns of serve. And uh, holds there, uh, wins the third set, but uh, Rafa riding the ship. Maybe where he could get better is 5 or 15 break points. Maybe he still needs to play the break big points better. But overall, fantastic performance. And talk about fire. I think he's got it up. He's going to get a triple yeah. pump, Austin. <laughs> big point, and then, yeah. Oh. There you go. Yeah. Oh, we got the Winter Olympics going. He's going quads. Finished in style. Is he fired up? Yeah. Does he want it? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> and then the singular pump to finish. Yeah. Still undefeated in the new year is Nadal. Today I played my best match without a doubt since I came back. And that's a, a very positive and a special thing for me. You know? I played here in the nice session with a great crowd and to win against a great opponent like him. Uh, I need to play well and uh, I think I did. All right, well, Rafa goes for 21. Sasha Zverev on his quest for a first major title. Continue to cruise against Radu Albot, John. He knock off that volley. 17 of 21 at the net. Underrated part of his game. You never mind it when you are trying to win your first major. You're the third seed, and you get a qualifier to go into week two. That was the case yesterday. And this is uh, composed Zverev. Again, it's like Barty. We've been, we've been saying that all week. Just taking care of business, not a lot of drama, serving well, getting early breaks. This was just uh, two players on, on different planes. And Zverev has got to be very happy with his first nine sets here. If a guy's trying to uh, win his first major, he's making life easy by cruising these first three rounds. Uh, 44 winners, just 14 for Albot. Hasn't dropped a set on his way to the fourth round. Alexander Zverev, we are one match away from that quarterfinal between Nadal and Zverev. Of course, Shapovalov has beaten Zverev two of the last three times they played. Nadal, a perfect 2-0 against Adrian Manorino. But let's look ahead to that potential quarterfinal. We finally, Lindsay, heard some confidence from Rafa Nadal. Remember after the first two matches, like, eh, still some doubts, I'm, I'm not sure. He was like, this was my best performance. I told you it was a big day at the Australian Open at the beginning of the show, but something that Rafa needed also. Yes, he's been winning matches, but he hadn't reached that level that he feels he needs to be at to win a major. He finally felt that against Hatchinoff in that win, especially in that fourth set. Um, you could sense it in Rafa. You could see how he was reacting, getting the crowd, but also just the confidence that he was getting, the shots he was hitting. Uh, that match he needed to really show the rest of the field that, yeah, he's back to being a favorite to win a major. Mm-hmm. He stopped sandbagging. <laughs> <laughs> Finally owned up to it. Yeah, he must really like where he is. Again, no no Novak, no no Roger, and, and the draw has really opened up for him. He'll be fresh the next match. Monterino should get through that against Zverev, so he must like where he will be physically, emotionally, mentally. He needs the reps, but not too many. And he's sitting pretty. He's so fired up. I mean, you never doubt his his, his fired up nest, but man, he really just shows how much it means to him. Twelve sets from becoming the all-time men's yeah. major leader. Just want to point that out. You say sandbagging. I was sort of jokingly texting with some members of this team and sort of, oh, Rafa's always minimizing his chances. But they said in all seriousness, this foot injury was different from other injuries he's had. He sort of knows what it takes to get back from the back injury, for example. He said this one, he really thought yeah. his career was in some jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And to come back to play at this level, 
He's played 15 sets in 2022. He's lost one, and the one he lost was yesterday when he said it was the best match of the year. So he's got to be very happy so far. All right. Ho- hopefully, the fans, we get that quarterfinal yep. between yep. Rafa Nadal yep. and Alexander Zverev. Uh, back to the women. Barbora Krejcikova, three-time defending mixed doubles champion. She's not playing mixed this year because she's in the mix for the singles title, Lindsay. The four seed taken on former Roland Garros champ Yelena Ostapenko. And it was all Ostapenko for a set and a half. It really was. Up a set and up 3-1. This match you thought was going to be Ostapenko's. And this is right where Krejcikova started to get comfortable with the power of the Ostapenko racket. All of a sudden, Krejcikova able to use her variety more, started to move Ostapenko around the court. But really, for the first set, Krejcikova completely off her game because of Ostapenko. But Krejcikova, we've seen for the last year, she is such a good competitor. You don't see it necessarily in her reactions, but she's there point in and point out, just way too consistent for one time early in the third. And that was enough to get her through that final set. How about this? 15 of her first 16 majors and singles didn't make it out of qualifying. Has now made the fourth round in four straight. Barbora Krejcikova going to take on Victoria Azarenka next. Back to the men. And the match of the day, Martina. Matteo Berrettini looking to avenge a loss to Carlos Alcaraz last year. Started out well for the Italian. Uh Paratini solid from the beginning. He got a he, he got uh, the tiebreak win in the uh, f- first set. He was pretty easy. Then second set he played. Actually, Akaras played a better set, but Berrettini played better when it mattered in the tiebreak. Really did not miss any shots. And Akaras turns it around in the third, gets a break. Finally, gets ahead and he's fired up. Fourth set he's. Berrettini was just not believing in himself, but Akara's forehand firing on all uh, of cylinders. Meantime, Berrettini kind of lost his slice backhand in the third and fourth set, but he came back just in time. Akara's forehand let him down in the tiebreak in his three shanks of the forehand. Ends up in a double, but Berrettini really solid tennis when it mattered the most. Berrettini said after the match, at his age, I didn't have an ATP point. He will only improve, but for Matteo Berrettini, he is in to the fourth round. Uh, listen, what do you take out of this for Matteo Berrettini? Yeah, I mean, he was the underdog, and in a way, this was sort of strangely a, a statement win for, for him as well. And, I, you know, in, in the case of Alcaraz, look, you're, you're a teenager, you're losing 7-6 in the fifth to a top-10 seed, you're doing pretty well. He does seem to struggle, though, a bit with when to turn on the aggression and the power and when to hold back. It seems serious. So first half hour of the match he was overhitting and then there were stretches where he really seemed to get passive all part of the process but uh, Berrettini oddly enough a, a statement win beating a guy 24 spots below him yeah it happens rarely but you see a player come up and you just know they're going to be great mm-hmm. and you get that sense with Carlos Alcaraz and this may may delay it a little bit maybe by a few months this one match but there's no doubting how good he's going to be of course if he stays healthy I mean, it, the improvements he made in the offseason, he's much bigger, he's much stronger. He didn't lose that match because he got tired. It seemed more just maybe nerves, not being in that situation a lot. Um, but credit Berrettini, it is not easy to play the next-gen players, the players coming up and really trying to usurp you. And Berrettini, after losing the third and fourth, you thought, what is going to happen? Is he going to go away? He really dug his heels in also. It was, it was such an awesome match to see both of those competing so hard. Alcaraz, superstar in the making. He's already got the, the deals, right? But I, I, he could win a major this year. He's that good. I, I Carlos think, Alcaraz I could so win a major this year. He's got so much power if he tames it, and he's learning. This is a great learning mm-hmm. experience for him. He learned, 
he, the matches are on his racket for mm. the most part. Uh, meantime, Berrettini, great comeback, like you said, in the fifth set. He could have just been disappointed, but he kept it together and uh, rightly won the match. But overall, actually, Alcaraz was the better player. Mm. And they ended up even on the points. Yeah, like in tennis. Yeah. At, the end, oh, at the end, it was even. So, yeah, great stuff from both players. You heard it from the GOAT. Yep. Yeah. Carlos Alcaraz, win a major title this year. We'll see if it happens. We'll find out who Matteo Berrettini is playing next. It could be an American. All the stars and stripes on the way. Davenport and Abitalova, Wertheim Weissman back with you. Jesse Pagula, one of a tournament-leading four American women to make the third round, taking on Nuria Parizas Diaz Martina. This was a tight first set. It was a tight set, and it's it's difficult to play somebody you've never seen before. So you really have nothing to go back on. Just try to figure out as the match went along. Uh, Parizas Diaz was up at early break in that set, but uh, Jessica got it back. Played a really good tie break, mixing it up, even throwing in a drop shot there. And I think she settled down a little bit. Uh, overall, just was four of seven on break points. Diaz, uh, two of seven. So this match was actually closer than the scoreline. Had Diaz played the big points better. But Jessica really turned it up a notch in that in that second set and finishes with a flourish on the, on the, with the ace on the, pack, on the match point. At seven aces in the match gets Maria Sakri next, says, Bills, Bills. you're next. Grazie Modio, <laughs> That's Baratini. Uh, Madison Keys trying to get back to the fourth round here for the first time in three years. Lindsay needed a comeback against Wang Chiang of China. Yeah, first set goes to Wang, and an early break as well in the second set. Wang up to love, but that's right when Maddie started to find her A game. Managed to reel off four games in a row to get up 4-2 and, and get that momentum in the second set. Ends up serving it out. The serve, though, for Maddie, a little concerning. She didn't have that serve as a weapon, which we've seen all in Australia. But from 5-6 in the third set, Steve, Keys wins 14 of the last 17 points and plays really a perfect breaker. Five winners in that third set breaker, really just overpowering, picking the right shots. And for a player who did not have a lot of confidence going into 2022, what a first opening month for Maddie. Put up a 50-burger of winners. Madison Keys now riding an eight-match win streak. Wow. Great result for Madison Keys. So she gets Paula Bedosa next. Both players, John, are 8-1 and one this season. What do you make of this matchup? That's a lot of power. Two players coming in with not just a lot of wins, but a lot of emotional wins. I think who's going to hold up physically? We've seen Bedosa with a lot of tape. You talked about it, Maddie and her serve. But I wonder, closing out a match like that, I mean, she was just blistering the ball for the last 15 minutes. So the score, I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen a 9-2 before in the score box. To close out a match like that, I think it's got to give you more confidence than having dropped a first set an hour earlier. And I think the biggest thing for Maddie is the fight and the heart she's been showing because she's been talking about that was her goal for this season. Even if I'm not playing well, I want to be able to hang in there emotionally. That really has been 
a very hard thing for her to do throughout the years. You you want to play perfect, and she'd be so hard on herself when she wasn't playing perfect, and the winners weren't happening. Now she's really, so far this season, is really accepting, okay, I'm not playing my best right now. How can I fight my way through that? For those of us who have been around her for years, it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. No matter what happens, <laughs> I, winning a match where she doesn't play well is like the biggest step forward mm. that Maddie could take. So the last this last match, it's absolutely huge. It's showing a lot more emotion. I mean, usually you see her kind of almost flat, winning or losing. You can't really tell. She's uh, she's you know she's got the poker face, but she seems to care more. And I wonder what what switched on. It just shows how much of the sport is played between the ears. But she, she really seems to care. I don't know what switched on for her, but I'm glad that it that it did. <laughs> Said when she plays with more shape on the ball, something you always said. Well, but you know, she's heard all this tennis stuff, right? But, she's had a lot of great people around but telling her, okay, don't hit it so flat. Don't go for a winner behind the baseline. Yeah. But, you know, when you have the heart and you start digging out matches and you're playing good defense, like something changed in December. No, she's, she's really taking responsibility herself right. for her tennis. She's down there with a hitting partner. I mean, it's not... It's not rocket science, and she's kind of just trying to master it right now. Not rocket science, but she's got rocket. She does have rocket. Rocket's amazing. That is true. <laughs> All right, Madison Keys into the fourth round in Australia. How about a couple of American men in action? Riley Opelka, four Americans in the third round. Opelka hadn't dropped a set, John. But Denis Shapovalov would change that. Yeah, I, th I think we all uh, whiffed on that. We thought between uh, time spent on court, much less for Opelka, the big serve for Opelka, the conditions, the surface. And Dennis showed a lot here. I mean, he's played a lot of tennis. He played more than eight hours going into this match, and this wasn't a short match either. But Riley Opelka, 17 aces. Dennis had 10, so he's hanging in there. On the serve, he was the slicker mover, and that really showed yesterday some really flashy shot-making. And in, in a weird way, I mean, look, there, there are only nine seeds separating them. In a weird way, I thought this was a statement win for Dennis. It hadn't looked great for him through two rounds. He really had to struggle. This, in some ways, was his easiest match. That is a very nice win over a big server. On this surface, nice win for Dennis. The Canadian now 6-1 on the season with his new coach, Jamie Delgado, takes on Sasha Zverev next. How about Sebi Korda taking on Pablo Carino Busta, Lindsay? Both came through tough five setters to get to this match. And, and it was pretty evident early on that it seemed Carino Busta just a little bit more fresh than Korda, a little bit more experienced playing in some of those five setters. Sebi had some chances late in the second set, wasn't able to convert. One of these matches where Carino Busta was clutch in the big moments, but Korda didn't go away. He fought hard. He started to find his game in the third set, but he just seemed to be just a little bit off. Maybe just a split second slower than we're used to seeing, but showed a ton of heart trying to stay in this match. But a lot of credit to Karina Busta, who was so rock solid when he needed to be. Yeah, Korda had 21 aces, but he won less than 50% of the points on his second serve. He was broken six times in this match. Karina Busta saving 11 of 13 break points. That is his 50th Grand Slam match win. Nice milestone for the Spaniard as he takes it in four sets. And Sebi Corda coming back home. Uh, Martino, what did you take out of that one for the American? He just looks a little flat. I'm not sure he was feeling 100% physically. Maybe it looked like he had an upset stomach. Like he didn't really want to move too fast. The fast switch wasn't firing on all cylinders, and uh, or maybe he was just tired, but he definitely didn't look because he's always smooth, so it's mm. hard to tell. But he just didn't have that explosion. But good learning experience, I guess, all in all. So.
All part of the process, too, right? I mean, you win a five-setter, you've got to come back, not just 48 hours later, but then play a player that's not going anywhere, a veteran's going to make you hit a lot of balls. I mean, look, here's a guy who didn't even play Australia last year because he was scouring, you know, going around the world trying to get points. So, a big scheme of things, nice tournament, a little bit flat, but again, I mean, beating Carreño Busto best of five match is not the kind of thing you just naturally assume. Yeah, we're not going to panic on Sebi, definitely. No, I mean, no, watch no, him no. play, and it almost like Alcaraz, you know he's going to have a great career. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so, it hasn't gone the way he's wanted, was sick at the U.S. Open, tested positive for COVID on arrival in Australia, so didn't have the prep that he maybe needed or maybe wanted to play his best at this Australian Open, but he shows a lot of heart. He's got the, the skills on underneath him he's going to be okay just hasn't been perfect yet the majors a couple of the american men out we still have taylor fritz we still have max cressy playing today and the women so far perfect danielle collins looking to join the three others in the fourth round at the australian open much more tc live we're bouncing back after this Welcome back to TC Live, presented by Geico. Some great matches we have today with Americans. Taylor Fritz against Roberto Bautista Agut. Max Cressy and Christopher O'Connell. Nine major wins between those two. One of them is going to make the round of 16. And Danielle Collins playing Clara Tawson. There is the American, Danielle Collins, getting ready. She made the semifinals here before and... Likes playing in Australia. In fact, three semifinals in the country of Australia overall. Let's talk about her matchup. Danielle Collins taking on the last teenager remaining in the draw, Lindsay. What does Collins have to do to get by t- get past Tawson? Well, it's interesting. Both of them like to rip. First strike tennis and Tawson was on in her last match. Got a big win to get to this round against Danielle Collins. Danielle Collins, though, could hit her off the court. When mm-hmm. Collins is playing well... You're like, wow, where is that? Um, She is so good, but they're both hot and cold. So who is going to be a little bit more on, keep those unforced errors just a little bit lower? Collins, though, with the experience, I favor her. Tossin, we know, is going to be a a top player in the years to come. I I think, though, Collins right now, a little too much experience and just a little too much pace for Tossin. And also a better mover. I think so she has a better chance of getting out of uh, defense because she moves better. Well, that was a strange way of practicing. Over I know. Did you that. see that? Did you see that? Yeah. Normally you run not back, exactly right? exactly that situation. Right <laughs> okay, I know it's coming. Okay, whatever. But she's good enough. She's a good athlete. Well, we were, we were talking about this the other day. We said, oh, she's a Danish teenager. This is da- Daughters of Caro. This is uh, the influence of Carolyn Wozniacki, and it surely is. But they could not play any more differently. Tossin is just a slugger. I mean, she just absolutely hit Contivate off the court, but yeah. she is not... Uh, going to make anyone's top five mover list. And I think Collins is just too good an athlete. How about Taylor Fritz? He's taking on Roberto Bautista Good Seventh meeting between these two. It's five to one RBA. Look, Taylor has never made the fourth round of a Grand Slam before. Does he do it today? Well, Bautista Agut beat Taylor on grass, but the, the rest of the matches were on slower courts. So this is a faster court, and Fritz is a much better player now than he was a year ago or a couple of years ago. So I think it's Taylor's match to win, actually. It's on his racket. Yeah, he's been so improved. It's been fun to follow his progress the last six months. He's a legit good mover now. And for a big kid, it's not always that easy. Fritz has really put in a lot of hard work to be able to get in and out of the corners just a little bit better. He's got the firepower. But we said it, we talked about it with Sabalenka's serve. So much of it is 
in the head between the ears and that and Taylor knows he's never been to the round of 16 he talks about it he's got very he looks at the draw he knows his goals mm -hmm. so can he kind of overcome that I think he has the game too I like the surface for him versus Batista Agut but can he hold up in those big points and Batista Agut's going to make him play if it gets close this is a, a shabby crass comparison but I'll make it anyway does this remind you a little of, of Corda against Carreño Busta where you've got the slugger younger player against someone who's just going to give you no quarter look he's a uh, he's a rapper um no here this is <laughs> Batista Agut uh he's Putting his grip on his racket, Richard uh, Gasquet would be very upset with the pace of, of gripping here. But no, I mean, but he, look, the, the guy's in his mid-30s. We know him, and the, the sun sets in the west, and the earth rotates, and Bautista Gut plays to the middle week of majors and makes younger players work. And uh, I think Taylor Fritz, this, this is an evolution match. He'll yeah. know a lot about we'll where see. he stands yeah, based we'll on this up. result. Yeah. I think things change at Indian Wells. He's yep. able to make the quarterfinal of the Masters 1000. This is going to be the day he gets to his first round of 16 at a major. Yeah. Things have changed in that head yep. for Taylor Fritz. He's a winner now. Uh, not that he wasn't a winner before, but doing it at the big stage. Fabio Fonini. What do you make of that routine, Marty? Uh, core, rotation, flexibility. It's all good. All right. You um, like it. He, he seems he's into it. <laughs> we'll wrap up TC Live after this. All right, welcome back to TC Live, final segment. That means you're going to learn something, John Wertham, tell him. The Australian Open increases prize money to $75 million Australian, a 4.4% increase. That's great, except look at this. <laughs> Last year, remember, because of COVID, a month later, so the final the tournament wrapped up, and when it did, the very next day, the currency market opened up 79 cents to the dollar. Now, more than a 10% drop to 71 cents. Just a reminder that just because you can measure it doesn't mean it's... Uh, necessarily accurate and also a reminder that this is a, a fluid global sport and things like currency markets have a real impact on the people making the currency today you don't want to get paid in bitcoin <laughs> the <laughs> crypto is no, way down right now i mean it was at sixty thousand. now it's approaching thirty-five thousand. so didn't know that yeah you can hedge if you're <laughs> one of these players that knows you're going to play deep especially go go ahead and hedge i'm not sure getting asked to be paid in bitcoin is uh <laughs> advisable these days would have been but, a good um, thing 10 years ago <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> want that would be done for yeah. life oh there she is oh, lulu oh, lulu uh, is best she's, she's so quiet i'm ready for my close-up mr demille <laughs> <laughs> oh the fans love lulu all right hot shot of the day martina well, this was not on purpose. This is an amazing improvisation shot from Manorina. They hit the drop shot on purpose. Uh, I mean, a lob on purpose. Cuts it good between the legs, and Manorina puts it away at the net. This is totally out of necessity, but he meant to hit the lob here. Not up get back to that tweeter. Anything yeah. you do, I can do better. <laughs> Look at lefty Agassi. Look at that. Nice volley there. And an easy put away at the end. Yeah, you deserve that one. Won the match. Sweet. <laughs> Back-to-back -back tweeners. Love that. Our featured matches today, Danielle Collins and Clara Tawson. Arena Sabalenka taking on Marketa Vondrasova. Both made the fourth round last year. Only one can do it this year. Daniil Medvedev, Daria Kazakina, a couple Russians, plus Andre Rublev. Playing really well right now against Marin Chilich. Let's start right there in the middle. Daniil Medvedev, the two-seat. It is the second straight Grand Slam. That's right. He is facing Botuk van der Zanschulp. Took a set off and him at the U.S. over. The only man to take a set off of Medvedev. What happens today? 
I just don't know how you are hurting Medvedev, especially best of five. But you're right. I mean, he did something Novak Djokovic didn't do. It only man to take a set off at Medvedev at the previous major. I think Medvedev is really looking sharp, though. Yeah, I'd love to see when players kind of are able to keep up that momentum and, and being a qualifier at the U.S. Open, Botic, and then being able to still back it up at yeah. the Australian Open. That's a heck of an effort from him. We'll be seeing more of him. Medvedev, maybe he's a little emotionally fatigued from Kyrgios. That's what you've yeah. got to hope if you're Botic, but I think it's Medvedev's match in straight. He might take another set off him, but that, mm-hmm. that would be about it. Or a couple of close sets. He, he, he pushes the envelope. He comes to the net, makes you hit good shots. And courts faster than it was at the US Open, but still maybe they're three or four. I noticed you're just going boat it. Yeah, I, 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 I can say it okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how to pronounce his name now. Well done. Yeah. It's Thank not you. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, the verbal equivalent of running around a backhand. Just uh, <laughs> safe in the sweet zone. I'll get often, you back. often for a winner. Often I'll, for a winner. I'll get you back. Uh, <laughs> Iga Sviante, Daria Kazakina. Uh, Kazakina won yeah, the only time one. they played before. Who wins today? I think Iga does, and I think she, I mean, you know, she, she wins the French Open, and she is this, this new transformative player, and she didn't back it up with another major, but she's just so solid and wins so many matches. She's been very smooth and lack of drama here. I think she gets through, even though you're right. They played once, and uh, Kazakina took it. And Kazakina has been playing better tennis the last uh, six months or so. She's finally moving up to where she was uh, like three or four years ago, and she played really well. But Sriontek, yeah, she's sneaking under the radar a little mm-hmm. bit. And uh, she must like this draw, even though she lost to Kazakina before. Is this one of those where it's more important for Kazakina than Sviantek, kind of like the Anna Ooh, I actually don't think so. I okay. think this is a big tournament for Sviantek only because she hasn't had that next great result at a major mm-hmm. and once you win one okay you give yourself yeah. a break for a little bit but then you're like okay come on why can't i get to a semi or i want to play for a, a title again in the final kazakina has started to play better i think though it this tournament is very important to Iga for herself mm-hmm. to, sh- to prove to herself that she wants to get back to any majors remember she switched coaches in the yeah, off season that was a really is, tough yeah. decision for her all of that is so she can win another major. So I, I think it's a big match for her. I agree. Marin Cilic is a major champion. He's taken on Andre Rublev, a guy that is one of the best not to win a major. Who takes this one? Uh, Rublev's had his way with uh, Cilic in the past, and I think he'll do it again. He's playing better and better with each match. He was kind of under the radar, though he did fifth. But now I think he's a, he's a force, and I, I think he'll beat Cilic. I don't see him losing this one. John? Quieter. Australian Open finalist than, than Marin Cilic. We, we forget about that. I mean, this, this guy's won six matches here not that long ago, but uh, I think this is Rublev's match. Agree. All right. We're, we're, we're all on the same all page here. We're done. Throwing pens. Oh, those clothes. <laughs> Guess we're not breaking we're anything today. One day. <laughs> day six at the Australian Open set to get underway. Players walking onto the court. TC Live. With Martina, Lindsay, John, and myself back tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. The Encore coverage a little later, 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. See you tomorrow.